Welcome to People, Places, and How We Use Spaces, where we chat with amazing, successful people whose stories inspire us. As a bonus, all of our guests have something to teach us about commercial real estate based on their own experiences. I am your host, Lisa Christensen. My companies help business owners, developers, and investors buy, sell, and lease space. On today's episode of People and Places and How We Use Spaces, we are joined by our guest, Corey McClure. Corey is a real estate investor and hard money lender. He took the right turn after he was laid off in the 2008 recession to build a portfolio in real estate. And now he has the privilege of leveraging his assets to help small business owners become building owners. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. Before we get started, I just want to thank you all for taking the time to listen. I would really appreciate if you follow, subscribe, share, rate, review, and tell others about this podcast. And now, please join me in giving a warm welcome to Corey McClure. Well, Corey, it's super fun to have a conversation with you. Thank you. I'm Appreciate so thankful. Me, yeah, so thankful to have you here. It's uh, been an honor to be to work for you. And, and Mary Lindell has done some leasing for some of your properties. And I think that's how we got connected. But uh, over the few conversations that we've had, I've gotten to know you and some of the interesting things that you're doing. And I'm excited to listen and hear a little bit more about that. Great. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, join your podcast. Yeah, it's so fun. So you were a sales guy, right? Like you were in sales. And- yeah, I was uh, for 15 years out of college. I was selling computer hardware, computer software. I was a worldwide sales manager for a small company, Maple Grove, that was selling hotel software and hardware and handling uh, handling the world region as my as my sales territory. And then during the recession of 2008, 2009, they laid off 25% of the company. I'd, I'd avoided a lot of layoffs in the time because I was such a good producer, but nobody was traveling. Hotels were having challenges just filling beds and the recession had hit. So I, along with 12 other people, got laid off. Um, wow. Then they decided, what am I going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> At, uh, 38 years old and just saw the opportunity in the real estate market. What made you even think about real estate though? I mean, you go from, you know, kind of the job, right? To like, yeah. So how do you think real estate? What, what got you there? I've been interested in it for a long time. We kept our first house that we lived in. And then when we bought a new house in Plymouth, we kept that as our first rental. Yeah. It was fantastic at the first tenant we had, they said, is that okay if we pay a year of rent up front. Wow. Like, this landlord business is easy. This is great. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can do that. They just sold their house in Minneapolis. Their kids are out of the house. And uh, they contacted me to rent our townhouse in Maple Grove that Nikki and I were moving out of. We wanted to see if we could do both and rent it. And they gave us a year up front because they had the cash. And so. It's always been that easy ever since, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, so you don't have a job and you're looking around and you say, okay, let's try to give this real estate gig a shot. Where do you even start? Yeah, I tried finding something else, you know, jumped right back into the corporate sales and everybody was firing, nobody was hiring. It was a tough time. And I'd actually had another house. I'd, I'd, I'd 
identified that the prices of houses were going down so much and actually had a house ready to purchase. But of course, it was contingent on my income. And when I lost my job, that one had to go to the wayside. My wife having a full-time tenured job in Edina, I knew there was a support system there and a, and a steady job. So I'd contacted some friends that were in the real estate business and asked them to be my mentors. And they pointed me in the right direction and set up the business and took a chance. And I jokingly tell people I turned in my 40 hour a week job for an 80 hour a week job. Yeah, right. Start, starting your own business, not knowing what you're doing, starting from scratch without a job and trying to get loans, uh, trying to buy houses definitely a challenge but support of my mentors and friends and family and my wife and was able to, to launch it well that is really like smart of you i think when i talk to younger people i just say find mentors and i don't know why i don't feel like i did a good job of that you know i thought i'd just figure things out on my own i was afraid maybe to tell people i didn't know something which i you know now just freely admit <laughs> but i think you know, what a great first step is just find people who know more than you do and ask for their help. And people are generally really willing to do that. Yeah, for sure. That was a good, good college buddy that actually had like an education program and he'd coached people. So he's kind of a natural fit in, in both of that. And he gave me the friends and family discount and a lot of structure set up and kind of a target of what to do first. So what was it that you did first then? At that time, there were so many foreclosures. Houses were in foreclosure. They'd be on the market 30, 60, 90, 120, 180 days. Uh, so I was focused on buying foreclosed properties. I would buy about three houses a month, about 35, 36 houses a year. Wow. And just through a network of a great realtor who'd go out and look at, would make like 36 offers a month and usually get three of them. Wow. So he would uh, actively go out and look at a ton of properties. I'd never go see him. He'd just give me the numbers on uh, how much it's going to cost to fix, how much we could rent it for. I'd put it in my calculator and we'd just shoot off offers. Back in the old day of signing everything, no DocuSign, no AuthentiSign, going into the Remax office in Plymouth with uh, Jason Elliott, my realtor, and signing like crazy. Wow. So we ended up getting a good system, a good process together. I had great subs, great contractors, uh, great leasing agent on the residential side, great realtor. So I just built a team of experts around me and then focused on kind of running that whole show. Wow, that's really impressive. I mean, you make that sound super easy, but <laughs> finding those 80, 80 hours a week, finding those that. people that, you know, you would trust to give you a number as to what needs to happen to the property and what the value is and what the neighborhood's like and, you know, condition. I mean, and, and to be that aggressive, that's that. I mean, that took a lot to put together. Yeah, it did. It was fun. We had a lot of success and he knew a good niche with uh, HUD houses also where HUD has a formula that if it's on the market for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, that they'll accept a discount at this price. Yeah. So at 90 days, it'd be like discount off list price of 27.8%. Mm. So when the Interesting. Uh, 89th day would come, we would draft an offer to submit the next day at 27.8% discount off the HUD. $100,000 price would be whatever, $70,000. We'd submit that offer and Accepted. The day before, it wouldn't get accepted. Day, day 90, it would 
get accepted. So we were wow. Like, Does that still exist? I mean, there's so few foreclosures I, now, but I mean, that's a. I'm sure the HUD formula still for, exists, but we would be buying HUD houses that were on the market at 120 days and 150 days, which the discounts there were like 43% and like 52% off wow. of this price. So were you buying in a certain area geographically or were you looking all over the Twin Cities? Or it was Minnesota based, Yeah, right? I lived in Maple Grove. Okay. I'm at that area. So I just wanted to stay in a 10 mile radius, 15 mile radius of my house. So we bought all hundreds of those properties up in that area, Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center, Crystal, Champlin, Maple Grove, Plymouth. Wow. Hope. Just because there was enough to buy just in that area. It's hard to even need picture to that, right? Like that market, because it's so different than what we've been through the last couple of years. It's just, it's yeah. really different. And your timing was pretty smart. Yeah. So my goal was to build... Uh, initially, I would buy three a month and sell all three of those. Okay. To get cash flow, to pay the bills, to have an income. Okay. And then eventually, I would keep two a month and then, or sorry, keep one a month and then sell two, flip two. So I'd start building a portfolio of properties long term. And then I would keep two a month, sell one, and eventually we would keep all three a month once we had enough cash flow coming in. So we built it up to about 45 residential properties wow. that, that we owned across those hundreds that we bought and flipped. Crazy, mm -hmm. crazy, crazy. So you built a great empire. I mean, what prompted you to kind of think, oh, I'm going to move in a different direction? I mean, because you had a great system going. Like, you're not still doing that today. What happened? Yeah, no, I, um, after we got to 45 houses and, Man, maintaining, managing, coordinating those, I realize it's either I have to add more staff, add more people and grow that bigger and, and expand, or gonna change gears and just keep that as a base portfolio. Prices, of course, were going up at that time and there was a lot more competition. These 120, 150 day houses weren't on that market that long anymore, so we weren't getting as good of, uh, of prices. One of my contractors came to me and said, you know what, I'd love to do what you're doing. I would love to flip houses, but I don't have the funds to do that. I certainly know how to do the work. He was fantastic. And he said, would you partner with me? Would you loan me the money? And then I'd fix up the house and sell it and we'd split the profit at the end. So that sounds fantastic because quite frankly, I'm sick of chasing you around to do these jobs. Right. And doing the listings and the staging and the permits and the inspections, everything that goes into flipping a house. So that would be fantastic. I'll lend you the money, you do everything, and then we split it at the end. So therein launched my hard money lending business. Okay. I slowed down buying houses, I stopped buying houses, and then I started doing the hard money lending instead to these rehab contractors. I would make less, but I would have zero headaches. Provide them the funds on day one, five, six months later, they would be done, they'd sell the house, and then I'd get my funds back. It wasn't all that effort in between. Really uh, interesting. Picking out colors and shingles and right. contractors and chasing contracts and make sure the electrician was there. All that goes into flipping. I'd had enough of doing it hundreds of times, and I was fine with earning a smaller amount right. on more properties that I could lend on. How much paperwork goes into doing something like that? you know, the hard money lending piece of it. Is there, you know, I, how did you protect yourself, I guess? And, you know, you're 
A good uh, real estate attorney, Brian Holsher. Okay. He's a title company, Title Nexus, that I used for all, all my closings. Okay. But he's also a real estate attorney. Okay. Uh, so he knew that process and the procedures. So just worked, worked with him. And it's like being a bank. So I get a mortgage, a note, recorded at the county. I'm in first position. So just kind of following the standard. And you knew the value of the homes and what you were getting yourself into. So if per chance you got something back, you kind of knew what you were, you were, you knew what you were doing. You were paying attention to the underlying real estate. Yeah, I knew. So I was, it was an asset based loan. So the people I was lending to, I didn't need to pull their credit. I didn't need to know what their credit score was. I wasn't necessarily lending on Jason, for instance. Right. Uh, I was lending on one, two, three main street. So I knew that if he's buying it for a hundred, he's fixing it for fifty. That in that neighborhood, it's going to sell for two hundred. That if he leaves, he stops, he runs out of money, he gets hit by a bus, whatever. I get the property back. I've done it hundreds of times that I knew I could just step in and do it. Hmm. Fortunately, over the twelve years of I'm still doing that. Over the twelve years of doing it with two hundred and forty loans, I've taken back two properties. Really, out of the two hundred and forty, yeah. Partner with really good rehabbers. And you're still doing that? I'm still doing that. Yep. We closed two yesterday and we're closing one Monday. Uh, I usually have 35 to 40 loans constantly out there. We have about 40 houses that we have loans on right now. So, how do you manage that? How do you service those loans? Is it? All the interest accrues and they pay it off at the end. So, I don't have monthly payments. And okay. then I have a, an assistant, Jada, who's a realtor. She'll go out and look at the properties once a month have them send pictures or videos of how the progress is just to make sure that it's moving smoothly. Interesting. Uh, there's not a lot of handholding. The people that I loaned to, I've lent to 70, 80 times each. People that have five, six, seven people on staff. This is their business. They're not just a, a weekend warrior having a full-time job and then doing this on the side because they watched an HGTV show or something. It's right, people right. that I've lent to multiple times for 11 10, 9, 8, 7 years. Wow. And it's such a win-win because their costs of you know, securing those funds is so different than it would be otherwise. They had to go through a traditional lender, that kind of thing. They like the speed. Yeah. They don't okay. have to go to Wells Fargo and wait 45 days for a closing. They can offer <coughs> to a seller, we can close in 10 days, 5 days, 7 Are, days. And you're not doing appraisals? and um, No, my appraisals, I have another realtor, Michelle, who goes out and she, she does... Uh, analysis and pulls comps so she'll understand what the rehabber is going to do and then go and look at the property and comp it and verify that indeed if he's buying it for 100 fixing it for 50 it's going to sell for 200 in case i get it back so yes we're fine with doing that wow interesting yeah so what a success story it doesn't end there, right? You, uh, we kind of came to work with you when your commercial real estate business. So, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing on the commercial side. Yeah. So after I had built those 45 residential properties, they were, of course, you know, timely to maintain, and prices had appreciated a lot from buying them in '08. Yeah, your timing was amazing. Yeah. So they had double, triple, quadrupled in value, and just the time to maintain those and manage them uh, was a lot. I wanted to get into commercial. Uh, so I started selling two or three or four at a time where their leases would come up, put them on the market, and then sell a batch of three or four properties. So I could do a 1031 exchange into a different type of asset. So Mary helped me find 
manage a strip mall in Spring Lake Park that I bought with three of the houses that I'd sold. Purchased that and then got into commercial. So we have restaurants and industrial, warehouse, retail, some vacation homes, exchanged all of those into. So of the 45 houses, I'm down to 13. And so we sold those other 31 and, and bought different type of assets, Arby's, you know, subways, uh, properties like that that are less maintenance. Yeah. Uh, we hired a professional maintenance company, property management company, uh, Copperwood Management. Okay. And the center schools are property managers that manage those. So it's a lot more hands-off than the, than the sure. residential. And, and that was my goal to get to a stage where they're professionally managed and professionally leased out by you and your company if they became vacant. So I didn't have to do that piece made that transition and you're still looking for to grow that empire yeah i've been been adding uh commercial properties i partnered with rafik moore he and i are 50 50 owners of envision commercial okay that's primarily the company that we buy commercial buildings through okay uh, he's he was one of my mentors in the beginning we've known each other for 15 years and work well in, in doing that with inversion and commercial and, and buying those properties. So yeah, we've been buying a couple, three properties a year since then. So do you spend more of your time kind of on the commercial properties, managing your residential um, portfolio or on the lending side? Or is it, are they all, where do you say you, your focus is these days? I, I guess that's how I kind of wanted to build it is having multiple legs of my stool, if you will. I, I just kind of bit of each the residential since we're down to 13 properties and they've been tenants for seven eight nine years they're not they're not much maintenance so not a lot of time there and especially since we're not adding the hard money lending piece since we have 30 40 loans going on simultaneously all the time and when one sells we initiate another one it's been a fair amount there commercial acquisition piece and then recently i launched a new company uh, about three months ago so tell me a little bit about that, because I find this to be really an interesting niche, too. I mean, you seem to have a really good eye for finding, you know, where opportunities exist that maybe not everybody's playing in or just, you know, even the housing piece of it. You know, when you in 0809, people, you know, I've done a lot of that ever since, but it was, you know, being able to see those opportunities is kind of a little bit of a specialty, I think, that you have. So tell me about your new company. Yeah, that kind of morphed from, I guess, the, the impetus and beginning of that was Rafik and I starting that Envision commercial. The tagline of Envision commercial is helping tenants envision being property owners. So the, wow. I guess what I've enjoyed interesting. at this point, the accumulated assets that I have, quite frankly, are ample to help Nikki and I and my family live a lifestyle that we want. It's not extravagant comfortable. I more so wanted to have more purpose, I guess, in real estate investing. I enjoyed providing housing you know, for people, but I've sold some of my houses on a contract for deed to tenants that had lived there for years, oh, that's, grew, grew their family, that's and neat. then they wanted to stay there and help them get their credit righted. And it's just such a fun experience. And at the end, at the closing table, when you've had someone renting for three or four years, and they become a homeowner. You know, yeah. the American dream, getting that for their family. And you get to know their families over over time. So That's really cool. Rafik and I focused on this Envision commercial, helping tenants envision being property owners by buying properties for 
For example, one of the fun stories I have is a restaurant owner, Francisco De Haro, down at uh, down on Lake Street in Bloomington, the restaurant Las Cuatro Mil Pas. They came to us and said, you know, we want to buy this building. Our restaurant's in the main level. There's apartments upstairs. It's a multi-use. There's a um, salon in the back. The owner's selling it, and he'd like to kick us out and get a better, higher rent tenant in here so he can up his cap rate, up the value, but we've invested a lot. I've come from Mexico. I want to stay here. This is my baby. Um, would you guys help us out? So Rafik and I crafted a plan to buy the property and then immediately sell it back to Francisco on a contract for deed. That is so, so neat. Yeah. So Envision Commercial bought it and then we sold it to Francisco and his partner, James, business partner, James on a contract for deed, a uh, three-year contract for deed. And about a year and a half into it, they got their financing sorted out. They got an SBA loan. Their sales were up. They survived COVID. They survived the George Floyd riots. They survived getting broken into. And then he got to purchase his property. Oh, that is such a neat story. Yeah. Parlay into, let's do it again. Yeah. So we found a property on Bloomington, in Bloomington on 494 in Portland. Okay. It was an old chinese first walk it was called it was oh. like 34 years of chinese restaurant I'm very 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 familiar okay so we bought that building uh, that time my company mcclure properties bought that building for francisco same thing sold it back to him on a contract for two years into it just last september he got his bank financing through cooley bank got the sba loan purchased that from me uh, now he owns it so now we did it a third time Right, wow. next, right next door to that restaurant is an old Eric's Bike Shop. Yeah, Eric's Bike Shop went out of business. The seller was selling that. Lisa, 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 <laughs> somebody referred me to the building, and we bought it for Las Cuatro Milpas there, and we sold it to them on a contract for deed. They're now renovating it so they can connect their two buildings and make that like a big banquet hall, party hall, expand their 40 person seating to like 90 people in that in that hall and connect the two buildings there 10 feet apart. Yeah. So through those doing those envision commercial type of properties. I love this. Somebody had contacted me about I have a Islamic customer that can't get bank financing because of their religion. Right. They can't pay interest. Do you have million dollars to lend for hard money through my hard money operation i said i don't have a million dollars for one property no like i usually do houses at 250 but tell me what they need and why they can't pay interest so digging into that uh, we did the same thing we bought the apartment 13 unit apartment complex through mcclure properties and then sold it back to the client with zero interest on a contract for deed uh, so they could obtain the property and be the tenant buyer in there. So, so that would have to be more of a long-term play because they wouldn't be able to go to a traditional lender and get that financing, you know, traditional financing. So now you're kind of in a longer term yeah. hold yep. with that. Yep. So I get a bank loan through Bridgewater Bank or Cooley Bank or Citizens Bank. I get my loan for McClure Properties to buy that 12-unit apartment complex on a 20-year mortgage, five-year fixed and then I sell it to MNZ Properties, the tenant buyer, on a five-year contract for deed. Okay. So they're paying me over five years. At some point, if they cash me out or get an Islamic bank financing, or we 
we can extend it uh, after those five years for another five years. Got it. So I did about a dozen of those this last 12 months and then realized the need and the niche for the Islamic financing and contract for deed financing that about two months ago, I three months ago, I launched Zanzibar financing. Oh, so interesting. Zanzibar, Zanzibar is a little island off the coast, east coast of Africa. Is it? Okay. So a lot, a yeah. lot of a lot of big Somali population here in Minneapolis knows of Zanzibar as a destination island, like we would know of Bahamas or okay. someplace like that. And been focusing on providing Islamic financing for uh, Somali and Eastern African clients for houses and commercial. Super interesting. Yeah. So how do you handle taxes when you're doing these contract for deeds? Because you can't do a traditional 1031 when on a contract for deed situation. Or how does that work? When it comes to fruition and they pay me off? Yeah. You pay the tax. Yeah. <laughs> or I have a lot of the commercial assets that we do a cost segregation study on, our strip mall or Arby's or other commercial properties that we can offset the gains elsewhere. Sure, that from, makes a ton from, of sense. From the profits through the contract for deed. Yes, yeah, so if you're not going to hold them long term, it makes total sense to take advantage of that that tax advantage with the cost seg and being able to. Yeah, so we've been able to offset it there with the cost seg um, studies that we do in the accelerated depreciation. Right. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Well, where do you think you're um, going to head next? I mean, do you have ideas of kind of what other little opportunities? I might, I might just have to follow you around and say, like, <laughs> what's he looking at now? What else is there? I don't know. I was. I was you got a couple of college colleges to educations to fund. To, to pay for, right? <laughs> That's super fun. Yeah. I think kind of all three, four components of my business are just going to continue to steadily yeah. grow. Uh, we hired three people for Zanzibar Financing that are all um, Somali and that speak Somali, so they've been fun to develop into the Zanzibar. Uh, they are doing a lot of calls and appointments and meetings for me. So as we launch that, that's my 80% of my focus right now is getting Interesting. that going. Interesting. Getting that solidified and... That's likewise fun because these you know clients come to us and say I can't I can't buy a house because I can't get bank financing because either their you know their credit's bad or their taxes aren't complete or Quran doesn't allow for them in their religion to pay interest right so going to Wells Fargo U.S. Bank or Huntington just isn't an option yeah so it's fun to help them realize you can buy a house or you can buy your own commercial property and this is a way do it so again it's that purpose based purpose driven that. gets me excited in the morning gets me up in the morning so we've tried to do a couple of those deals and there are a couple of other groups out there that will do you know some financing that works um for that population and they're it tends to be really complicated and really hard to to get to work so hmm. you know more traditional lenders that have found kind of a way to do that and I just, I just remember being really difficult. It sounds like you found a way to make it, you know, kind of work for everyone involved. That's really, really special. And I love that you've hired members of the community to build trust and to, to be the salespeople and, you know, to be able to go out there and find those opportunities to marry 
this uh, opportunity that you're providing along with uh, the need that's out there. So it's all about like identifying a need, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just kind of came to me and uh, identified it and it's been fun to work with different mortgage brokers and realtors and of course the clients yeah. in, in that community and getting to know what the type of properties they like and where they like and getting to uh, enjoy some of the food and know some of the cultures and, and I meet some bet. people that, yeah. that I normally wouldn't have. So as any job, that's the most enjoyable part is the people that you meet and yeah, I think, you know, we have uh, our work cut out for us to kind of find some more tenants that are in that situation where you might be able to provide them an opportunity to be a kind of stepping stone to to ownership of a property, whether it be commercial or you know, housing and all of that. It'd be fun to kind of look for that. I'd love to be a part of helping that happen for a family. That's really a neat story. Yeah. Really fun. Yeah, it's fun. At the end of the day, I don't need to or want to own that asset yeah they've poured their you know they've raised their family in that house or they've operated the business you know from the ground up and it's uh, rewarding to see them capture that goal of being uh, more self-sufficient and not paying somebody rent not paying the bank rent or not paying me rent you know not paying payment payment and having to go towards themselves and building their equity and pulling themselves up and along with their community and their family. I love that. Are there any of these groups that have kind of a support system around them? Like you talk about, you know, you went and got mentors to start your business. Are there, are these businesses, you know, super established or are there, are there other mentors helping them with other components of their businesses? What have you seen? Yeah, there definitely is for the businesses. Let's see, there's been a a laundromat. We've funded uh, Somalis, two Somali strip malls or malls. Some apartment complexes, and yeah, I've met with their their uh, imams, their their religious leaders, to make sure that this is structured correctly and uh, meets their religious needs. And then they usually have a, a mortgage broker, even though they're not brokering a traditional mortgage. I work with that mortgage broker, and they provide and send them to me. They refer them to me. You know, working with their attorneys and other people in the community yeah they have a good support structure and support network and it's such a close-knit community that there's a lot of word of mouth so there's been a lot of uncles and cousins and relatives and neighbors that we've helped fund properties for doing it once with them they give us a lot of referrals there hasn't needed to be a lot of marketing or advertising done it's just kind of organically grown through we do a good job and then it spreads well I think, you know, you're kind of the embodiment of the American dream, right? You had a need for a career and you made that work for you. And now you've gotten to a place where you've achieved a lot of success and you're awesome to work with. And now you're giving that opportunity to so many other people. It's really inspiring. What a great story. Really appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share it and, and highlight it. Look forward to uh, trying to figure out ways we can do more business together. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much for your time. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of People, Places, and How We Use Spaces. I am business owner, broker, commercial real estate investor, and your host, Lisa Christensen. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. To connect with me or the guests on today's show, Shoot me an email at lisa at christiansenandco.com. That's lisa at christiansen, the word and, 
www.jennifercole.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.